You'll notice in your bulletin, there was a personal inventory. I'm going to ask you to just set that aside. It's like not thinking about the big pie in the room or something like that, but you're going to set it aside. We'll deal with it after I unpack the biblical basis for that. It's going to be a little unconventional service this morning, um, uh, but I would just ask you to give me your hearts and your minds for the next 20, 25 minutes and ask the Lord that he would give you a um, fresh and clear view of what your uh, purposes are, why you were created, and that we would be uh, diligent in responding to the Lord's work in each one of our individual lives this morning. So let me open us in prayer. Father, we pray that the searchlight of your Holy Spirit would have freedom to uh, look around all the areas of our life today. And as we are um, meditating and reflecting on that, and we, as we think about the application of this, and we think about being stretched, may you be glorified in the outcome. May your word be our guide and the lamp to our feet that we can be guided properly and not uh, based on any uh, misguided direction, Father, that you would be glorified in the outcome. So we praise you in Jesus' name. I was preaching the earlier service at 9.30 and I was telling everybody that, uh, uh, that we're going to go fast. And I said, fasten your seat belts, you know, stow your table to its upright position and to your seat back and all that. And I said, if the oxygen leaves the room, there are no emergency exits. And I said, uh, please secure your own oxygen mask before you assist those around you. And, um, you know, somebody just dropped in the middle of the service, really, seriously. Robin Harris, bless her heart, her blood sugar was low, and she just fainted. And I said, I, this is the first time I've ever preached somebody to sleep, so they fell down and faked an injury. So you guys, uh, you guys will have fun, I think, and be, catch up on some rest, but God, being glorified, will we'll press on. Um, we are entering a new era in our ministry as the opening of our new facility and thinking we're going to make room for more ministry activity in the room and we're going to have worship venues in two places and the gym will be freed up and we'll have a new welcome center. All this is good, but it's a, it's a deeper story. There's a story about what are we going to do to impact our culture. As our mission statement says, we're about equipping people to pursue Jesus Christ passionately as they impact the culture. And so we in uh, March, March 7th and 8th, our pastors, we got together with our ministry directors and then later on shared this with our elders. But the, the, uh, the uh, idea was, Lord, search our church, search our leadership, search our hearts. What do, you, what do you want from us? How can we fulfill the purposes and the mandates of the church? So I'm going to share with you a little bit of a, a flyby. You're going to be on like a Gulfstream 650, like a G6, not the rap song, but like a Gulfstream. Um, and we're going to be flying at 30,000 foot altitude, and you're going to be seeing, we're going to go cruising fast, and we're going to see things from a 30,000 foot view. You're going to see large bodies of water, but we can't plunge the depths of them. You're going to see fields, but you can't run through the greens and, and rejoice. And we're going to see mountain peaks, but you can't summit them. We're going to do that for the next months and years as we impact God's word. You're going to see the big picture. So I've been tasked with bringing you the big picture of some of that time together. It was a cathartic experience because Danny set the stage. He said, uh, let's just suppose a Category 5 hurricane, and I'm not a prophet, so everybody can relax, came and hit us and wiped out the buildings and the people were scattered. And we were faced with looking at God's word and determining what we're going to do. What's the mandate and purposes of the church? So we got... Uh, about 18 hours of Bible study, prayer time together, seeking the Lord, saying, God, show us what we should do as a church in this community in this day and time. And uh, what had happened that was really exciting. We just, we had butcher paper everywhere with stuff and verses and talking about the, even have Greek lexicons out, talking about the deep implications of the, the church. But what we came up with is we had a, 
we, we, we uh, looked at all these areas and then graded ourselves on a scale of one to five on each one of these 40 or 50 references we, we, we studied through. And uh, we determined that that was some great cause for celebration. But there was also some great cause to reflect and say, ooh, ouch, we need to do better in some areas. And so we're going to talk about developing the heart of the disciple, which is kind of the theme that we landed on to say, what does it mean to develop the heart of the disciple? And in order to do that, we, we, we need to clearly define our terms. And we need to, over the year, over-communicate this. And we need to also challenge our people to receive this and say, I, I, I buy into this. I'm all in. And to say, what are we going to do to train, to provide training and resources for you to carry out this purpose? If we're going to go to all this extreme lengths to figure out a plan, let's, let's get everybody on board. So I'm here at task to kind of deliver that message. I thought being, being an old football coach, I might have a locker room talk that might motivate us. And, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. The... Uh, uh, the developing heart of the disciple. First of all, in Matthew, if you look in chapter 4, verse 20, you see a scene around a, a lake where Peter and Andrew are fishing, and Jesus comes by and says, throw down your nets and follow me, come on. I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, Peter and Andrew left their nets. And then he walks upon the, uh, the, the bank of the river, and he sees James and John, and, and calls out to them, follow me. Well, at that very moment in time, these fishermen became disciples because the disciple is one who follows Jesus. Now, they look remarkably different at the end of their lives than they did at this moment, but they were on a discipleship-critical path to growing. And they were, all they knew is they took whatever they knew about themselves and committed it to everything they knew about the Master, and they said, I'm in. I'll follow. I'll drop my nets. I'll take the risk and walk after you and listen, learn, and obey. And so that, that's where we are. This is a sermon for everybody in the room because everybody in the room is at a point where they need to drop their nets and follow Jesus or they're in that journey somewhere along that critical path. And so I'm, I'm going to be asking you during this time to, to think reflection personally in your own heart as, as before the Lord, to think application, what am I going to do as a result of this message, and to think in terms of what, is, what am I going to do to stretch myself? And Buster said this a few, well, a month ago. He said, we need to make pre-decisions, not do a, make a decision in the, in, the, in the current, in the flow of things, but make pre-decisions on what we're going to do to become conformed to the image of Christ. So I'm asking you at the end of this time to look at that personal inventory, and we're going to do some pre-decision time. I hope it'll be, it'll be very helpful in ministry. It'll be immensely helpful for us to know where the flock is and how we can serve you and support you in your growth and progress for joy. Because Buster's been preaching the last uh, couple of Sundays, or last two months actually, on Second Peter, and it's this fearful church who's faced with all this persecution coming. And, um, and, and Peter is just saying, you know, you guys rejoice because of, and he lists this thing. He says, by his divine power, in Second Peter 1, by his divine power... He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And not only that, he says, but I have, through the knowledge of him who's called you, I've made all these good and precious promises for you so that you might be partakers in the divine nature in order to escape the corruption from the world and it's all of its sinful desires. And it's for this very reason, make every effort to... And then he starts adding stuff. So this is what the progress is. It's a notation of progress. Add to your faith virtue, your virtue knowledge, your knowledge of self 
self-control, your self-control, steadfastness or perseverance, and steadfastness of godliness and brotherly affection and love. And you say, whoa, that's a mouthful. That's a, that's a lot. But it's saying, add to your, thing, add to your life these things, a knowing, being, and doing. What kind of knowledge I understand, what kind of character I am, and what kind of things do I do? But he said, if you do these things, then you keep yourself from being unfruitful and ineffective. Well, as a church and as a person, as a follower of Jesus, as I've dropped my nets, I want to be fruitful and effective. I want to see God glorified. So how are we going to do that? Well, when we left to the States, just like Kelly did from this church in 2000, did the same thing. You grabbed Rafi and I, and y'all prayed for me and Blakely and Craig as we went off in 2000 to India. We served there 13 and a half years. But I thought, relax, India, you're okay, I'm coming. 1.3 billion people, most of whom are lost, but I got the gospel. So I came thinking, if I can just get India to understand and accept propositional truth, I'm golden. Uh, the, you know, the, God will come back and, and clean up everything, and we'll be fine. What I, I, an experienced field guy said to me, he says, Craig, you've got to think a little differently here now. I said, what do you mean? He says, how much Bible do you know? I said, 100%. I'm a 100%er. I've read it multiple times, in fact. So I was really, really proud. And he said, well, how much have you obeyed? And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, do you love your enemy? Do you put other needs of others ahead of your own? Do you have issues of greed and pride? I said, okay, 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 okay. I've obeyed 50%. I said, okay, so that means you're 50% disobedient. I said, whoa, you're, you're beating me up. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if, if all we do is present propositional truth without any kind of heart change and without any kind of walking with people in order to help them navigate this growth process, it has to be knowing, being, and doing. And so we set out to say, okay, how do we do that? I said, well, in, in the States, we come out of a cognitive-based discipleship. If you know the Ten Commandments and where the Beatitudes are, and you can quote 20 verses in your pocket, and you can share the Romans road, then you're a good disciple. That's a cognitive-based understanding. But it's about knowing, being, and doing. And Leland hit on this last week in this Philippians 1 passage when he talked about this little twist that Paul understood that changed everything, changed his perspective. That little twist made the difference and so he could say to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because it was about, he, was, he became a grace junkie that was a grace dealer. I mean, he, he just became a, a person that saw what God had done in his heart, and now he was compelled to share it with others. And then he said, and I labor, I labor for your progress and joy. So we want to labor together for our mutual progress and joy. Guess what? When we're growing we are gratified because we're wired to do that. When we're fruitful, there's a gratification. Like Leland's fence, when he power washed it, and he stood by it and didn't see it, we're wired to celebrate what God has done through us. And if we're never attempting things with great faith, then we'll expect nothing. So we need to be a knowing being and doing. So what does it mean? If, I, if I'm in this culture and I know and do, so I know good theology, I'm a good orthodox evangelical, and I do a lot. You say, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? No, that's the Pharisees. They had a lot of knowledge, and they did a lot to, to obey that knowledge, but they were missing that being. They were not broken and humble. They were not submissive and yielding. They were not 
there was a lot of being and character issues that were there. So I don't think anybody in the room wants to be a Pharisee. I'm a recovering Pharisee, by the way. Now, if you say, well, I'm a beer and a doer. I am a nice person. I got a lot of common grace. I mean, people like me. I'm a, friend, I'm a people magnet. And I do a lot of kind acts of mercy to others. Is that good enough? Well, you know, I would say that's great. But that's where heresy comes from. If it's not based on fixed truth that's transcendent from God's word, and you don't have a clue what orthodox understanding of God's ultimate purposes are, but you're just doing good for good's sake, that's going to lead people to a lost eternity. But they'll be happy as they're going until the end. So, so I don't think we want any heretics in the room. So, so if we, but if we know and we be, if we're just knowing good theology and we're nice people, we're being good, but our character's being formed, but we do nothing, that's hypocrisy. And we don't want to be hypocrites. So it's got to work together. And that's the whole trek of the disciple is everything I know about Jesus, take everything I know about me and get on this critical path to knowing him being like him and doing the things he wants me to do. The, the, the great commission that has prompted Kelly to go to Bangkok that says, go therefore in all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command. Not teach them all things, but teach them to obey. So obedience is in the great commission. And so our hearts this morning are, are really saying, what are we going to do as a church to help take you to that next, that next step. Well, the, what are the matters of the heart? Those, we came up with four. We graded ourselves, and four things just shouted to us that we got a two on it. A one to five scale, our church did great on a lot of things, but there were four issues we said, wow, we need to level up these areas. And one of them was mercy. Now, we have some merciful people in the room, so this is not, you know, this is not about you, because there's a small group of people that are just laboring to help the least of these. In Matthew 25, it says, if you've done the least of these, you've done unto me. We have a small band of people that go hard after mercy ministries. But I'm telling you, we have a friends ministry that's started. It's going to go launch to the next level in September when we have a training that's for a special needs children. I met a special needs family this morning that came here first time to the service because we have a special need. There's a thousand families in the Charleston area with special needs kids that cannot go to church because there's nothing for their children, so they stay home. Wow. And we have about eight volunteers that are faithfully working with these special needs kids, and there's more coming, guys. All we have to do is put the word out. And just like this family came this morning, they're looking, they're hungry, they're dying. They need, they need the community of faith. There's also our fan ministry, our foster and adoption ministry. Talk about mercy, taking people from horrific situations and caring for them, speaking Jesus in, into their lives and loving them in a, in a critical time is, is, is huge. We have people that have taken kids into their home to adopt and that, that they've been grafted into their family. That is huge. That's mercy. And uh, there's so many more that need to be rallied around each other to help these families and more that need to come on and, and see this path. There's 500 cases right now with our county of children who are waiting in homes to be fostered and they're in transition. Well, that's a transition that many of them can check out forever and never be regrouped. But this is an opportunity. 
We also look our, our love on Charleston that we've done twice a year, uh, once in the fall and once in the spring. We've had 300 people both times just scattered about the whole community in Charleston, Tri-County area, serving needs of people that have, have need for somebody to come along and give them a hand. And that has been wonderful. There's some tender stories about what happened as a result of that initial contact that are continued. So we, we, we scratched the surface, but we're at a two. So what is it going to take to go to the three? Low Country Pregnancy Center, I've just had a, one of the gals at dinner, every Wednesday is doing a parenting class for unwed mothers for 12 weeks, speaking truth into this young, these young ladies who are pregnant and gonna have elected to keep their children, even though there's no husband in the home. But they're getting these, this support and encouragement. So mercy, guys, that's the, that's the heart of, of the disciple, is to be broken in mercy. The second area that we are in need of uh, leveling up in is being culturally aware but lovingly responsive. Now, you say, wait a minute, I'm very culturally aware. I've just chosen to circle my wagons and protect my family from this culture that's going down the tubes. That's not an option for the body of Christ. To elect to be departed from the world and without impacting it is not an option. So, you know, the areas that we have, uh, we have things we're trying to work on are in the area of addictions. There are people out there addictions, and what we'd like to say is, that's messy. Let's just pray for them and let them be warm and well-fed. That's not an option. So we have to have things that we're thinking through about how we can help people with these addictions. Racism. No one needs to go any further than that than the newspaper this week and say, there is an epidemic of violence interracially right now in our country, unlike anything in my life. It is up to the body of Christ, our African-American brothers and sisters and us coming together to love, to show the world what it means like to love one another deeply at that level. And we got to actually deal with stuff in our own hearts on this matter because of our biases. It's not just racial, it's eth ethnic, eth ethnicities and unlike me in social status. There's a lot of issues there, guys. That we need to be culturally aware, but also lovingly responsive. If we don't do that, then we are not accomplishing the purposes of the church. Now, marriages. Marriages are in crisis even in the church. And in fact, you know, we have great pre-marriage counseling classes that go on before you're married in this church. We have a great newlyweds class to give you a healthy start. And then we say, thanks. Well, we have a new marriage ministry starting in the fall that's going to help enrich. Before it goes into crisis mode, we want people to feel nurtured, and I need handles on this thing. I need to learn how to navigate these waters of marriage and communicate and understanding. So we have a marriage ministry. That's a, it's another issue, gender issues. And we say, wow, this is where the word speaks this way and the culture is going that way, so let's just let them float off and just throw our hands up. There's not an option for that. We have to labor to engage that in a, in a dialogue, in a conversation, in order to, to minister to these people, to bring them back into uh, the purposes they were designed for. So that's the second. Uh, culturally aware and lovingly responsive. We can go in and talk about many other issues. But the third thing is authentic community. Now, to plunge the depths of this body of water, authentic community, you need kind of this uh, environment of grace because no one wants to get real transparent if they're going to be judged. I was on the senior high missions trip, and we drove van 15 hours to Philadelphia, and the kids said, okay, this van is a no-judgment zone. I said, whoa, I'd like to drive a big fence around the church and say, there's a no-judgment zone in the church. You can get ugly with your, with your stuff and say, 
um, I need help. Guess what? You need help. I mean, I know you. I know most of you. Y'all need help. And I, you're not okay, and I'm not okay, but that's okay because that's called grace, and grace covers a multitude of those sins if we love one another deeply. And if we're going to, just because you live in the greatest city in America, or in the world, I'm sorry, I was too low, in the world, according to the news, doesn't mean you're the greatest people in the world, okay? We've got a lot of work to do in this room, starting here. So we need to have this authentic community that says that last 10%, that's what Matt Reagan calls it, when you can share the last 10%, and say, whoa, you know, that 90% is, is tough. Last 10%, I don't want anybody to know. Well, that's when you know you have some real intimate fellowship with people and that they're going to walk with you through the stuff and they're not going to judge you, they're going to come alongside you. Because guess what, you're going to be hurting one day and you're going to need them and they're going to be hurting one day and they're going to need you. We need a lasting, authentic community to develop in environment grace. That's Stephen's ministers that are welcome to come alongside you and walk through this time with the community groups that are there to help you develop that last 10% kind of love, even, to, even with my stuff that is, doesn't look pretty. Um, then the fourth area is evangelism. We're going to open up this new facility, and there are going to be a lot of empty seats. And some of you are going to go, whoa, that was dumb. And some of you are going to say, isn't that so cool? Because we get to fill, I can see my friends and I can see my coworkers and I can see my family. I can see them in those seats. That's my goal this year. I'm the front door to the church. The relationships that I have, my workplace that I have, my hobbies that I have become the front door to the church because guess what? We're here to equip the people to passionately pursue Jesus as they impact the culture. And as you go out with your family, neighbors, coworkers, and friends and have this good news on your lips, those you are the front door of this church, and those seats will be filled. There's people hungry, hungry for truth, and you are Christ's ambassadors. You know, I was up at the, in, in Philadelphia with the, with the high school group for a week, and we drove 15 hours up there. We were in the inner city. We did a lot of things, but one afternoon, this was kind of like a, you know, the real moxie test. We went to Kensington Park, right there in Kensington, Indiana, in the heartbeat of Philadelphia, inner city. We had a, a black church planter and a Hispanic church planter. They're both former addicts, both come to faith and planting a church there. And then they had a squeaky clean high school boys and girls from Charleston, South Carolina. And we were in fear and trepidation because we were just passing out water. And I said, All right, hand them a water and say, drink this water, you're going to thirst. But if you drink from Jesus' well, you'll never thirst. Can I share you about it? And so they started. They were passing out water, sharing, praying with people, stumbling around a lot. One, one group of guys came at the end. We were getting ready to get in the van. And they said, man, I tanked. I really fumbled around. I, no one really engaged in me. I, no, I never got past the water thing. Uh, I blew it. I said, no, you didn't blow it. You've got to fail five times. You've got to flop five times. I said, oh, okay, I can do that. So they said, what? Let's see that girl before we get on the van. Let me go over there and get this little this gal sitting there. So three or four boys walked over there and they started sharing. Well, she had just had her child taken from her by DSS. She's in a treatment center that she's she's trying to kick habits, and she's she said, "You guys are an angel." He says, "I was I was ready to you know take my life. I was at the end of the rope, and you guys came and they said, can we pray for you?'" And these guys gathered around her and prayed for her. They shared the gospel. They said. Man, when I was sharing, uh, the words were just coming to me. I don't know where it was coming from. I was like articulate. 
I don't know what was going on, but they, it made sense. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit showing up. And he said, you know, as I was talking to this lady and she prayed to receive Christ, I said, I need Jesus. I want to be baptized. I think I've been living off my parents' faith. I tell you what, when, when you exercise faith on this journey, be prepared for God to show up and blow you away and do a work in your own heart. And that's what happened. Well, they didn't stop there. They took that, they were celebrating. They got back in the van. They started sharing with the van. The van started weeping and confessing sin. And I was driving going, this is what's going on back there. And uh, they were just all over the place. And we pulled up, all three vans pulled up to the Philly Flavors, a little ice, you know, ice cream and slushy shop. And they jumped out, and this van shared with these other two vans right there on the sidewalk in Philadelphia, the Philly Flavors. This will be known in history as the great Philly Flavors revival, okay? <laughs> uh, they got sharing, and they started, oh, and we had girls weeping and guys gnashing teeth, and it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. It was a cathartic experience. But what happens is when we exercise our faith, we are the ones that receive the blessing and the joy. Now, What's the delivery system? These four, these four things, to develop a heart uh, of the disciple in these four areas, how are we going to do that? Well, the, the critical path for that is the five Gs that I'm going to cover with you now. And I want you to be thinking, okay, God, I, I hear him talking. I have to engage in this. You have to look into my heart and help me with this. Because each of you are here, everyone's got a window seat in this 30,000 foot view of, of what it means to develop a heart of a shark. You're looking at things from your perspective. And we're going to land this thing pretty soon. We're going to land this Gulf Stream, and you're going to have to do something with all this. And I'm praying that God right now is doing something in your heart to say, wow, I'm just, I need to, I've dropped my nets, or maybe I haven't dropped my nets, and I need to do that first. But, but here's, here's a critical path. First of all, we have to gather. Commit to gathering together in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. That might mean shuffling schedules. That might be preparing in advance. That may have to mean also talking about it with your family. But be committed to the assembling of the saints together, sitting under the teaching of God's word and the worship of our worthy Savior. If things are crowding that out, that's a great place to start. But if you say, I got that, I got that. Well, are you grafted? G number two. Are you grafted into the faith family of East Cooper Baptist Church or any church? You see, that's very important because Jesus used metaphors like the body to communicate the church, meaning highly interdependent, collectively integrated, committed to one another. The body is a virtual metaphor for what he talked about the church is to be, the body of Christ. It's also a building we have the bricks and the mortar and the girders and the, and the trusses and everything fits together for integrity, continuity. There's no, a brick over there is not a part of the building. So it's an integrated, interdependent. And they also use the family. Family is, you don't stop being genetically coded to one another. Uh, some of you guys go to family reunions where you, the weird uncle shows up. Some of you guys are the weird uncle that shows up. But we're in an environment of grace. There's a lot of weird people in the room. But it's integrated, interdependent. I need you. I need every gift in here. But if you're, let me use a more modern day metaphor. 
if you're a fan or a friend of the, the team, you're in the stands enjoying the, the game. Membership is an invitation to get on the field and be a player, a coach, a cheerleader, a manager, a trainer, a marching band member, but to be, as Dabo would say, all in. And we want, we love our fans and our friends, but we have this all in, like, I'm going to be there with you guys when you're going through walking through. I have a covenant, a relationship with you. So we want to invite you to our new members class. If, you have, if you're gathered but not grafted, maybe that's the step you take this year. You say, I got those two. What else? Bring it on. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm two for two. What about grouped? In a 2,000-member church where there's four different services going on on Sunday morning, and you're looking around the room, I cannot know these 1,800 people. You just need to know 20. It's up to you to pick the right 20, by the way. But you just need to know 20 to 25 people to walk with you into a, into a lifelong uh, journey of progress and joy. And so grouping together in a support group, if you need a super uh, intentional kind of help during a season of life, we have a support groups. Grief share, marriage. There's some things going on right now. If you are in a community group, you say, I really lack really authentic relationships in this community thing. I need to be important. Well, there's a link fest coming up in September 11th where you can get involved in one of our 65 community groups that meet throughout there. And I, that'll be a game changer for you if you get groups. Sunday morning Bible classes start again. A new series lined up in the beginning of September. There were new classes. If your Bible study is what, if you biblically, your biblical literation, you know, you want to get, you want to get more astute in the scriptures than a Sunday morning Bible class is there. A ladies Bible study is there. A men's man-to-man table is there. Men's groups that meet in coffee shops. Whatever it takes, a Bible-centered small group. Whatever it looks like, community group, support group, Bible study group. The third G, give back to the Lord from your time, talents, and treasure. You say, I got these first three Gs, I'm good. Well, you're like the guy training for the Boston Marathon, and you're doing everything. You're eating lots of iron, protein, meaty substance, and you're carbo-loading. You're not doing one thing, any road work. You know what that is? That's an obese, out of shape participant in the Boston Marathon school make it three miles. If you're feeding off the Bible, if you're feeding off relationships, when you're not exercising, guess what? You lose because you don't get the joy of like flopping a few times and seeing God stretch and show up there. And I'm saying for your progress and joy, stretch yourself to say, I want to give back. I know I've got talents. You say, well, I can't teach. I don't even know that. I don't, I don't even know four verses. Well, you can hold children in the nursery and love on them. You can walk with uh, special needs children. You can do a ton of things serving on our welcome team. I love to greet people, be hospitable and friendly. I, I, hug and neck, that's a gift, guys. Whatever it is you cannot do, there's something you can do. You say, I want to be a part of something. We have a new coffee ministry. A coffee shop's going to start in our welcome center. This, it's going to be a place that builds community. We need people just to serve coffee and say, it's my pleasure. <laughs> we'll, we'll steal some stuff. And, um, but the, um, also another thing is this giving of your giving back to my, of my time, talents, and resources. Some of us are trapped 
in debt. Some of us are trapped in possessional debt. We have a lot of stuff, and we spend a lot of our time maintenance and repair of our stuff. Imagine if you got really radical and sold stuff, that, and you had that time freed up and that money freed up. What would God do in your life to show you that progress and joy? So there's, there's some deep soul searching. I think all of us need to be saying, you know, I, there's, there's a tithe that needs to be honored, the first fruits to the Lord for his glory. There's offerings that can be added to ministries to extend his kingdom. And guess what? You cannot outgive God. You won't ever get in a position where God owes you anything because you could just give everything you had to him and it wouldn't be enough. But he'll give more back to you than you ever give. I promise you. So we go and make, we give back. Now we're on the fifth G, go and make disciples. And by the way, we have a gateway that we're going to showcase our local ministry missions and our in-church ministries coming up either the 21st or 28th, depending on what we do with our celebration. We're going to let you know ways to get involved. But the fifth G is go and make disciples by leading others to follow Jesus. Now, this doesn't happen just in the church. You could be a community group leader. You can be a Sunday school teacher. You can be an aged and stage group. You can be a D group leader for a high school. You can be a children's church leader. Those are great things, and you, we need more of those. We need more community group leaders so more people can get into authentic community. But you say, I don't do well in those things. How can I go and make disciples? Well, you know, like Kelly's going across the world, but you don't need to go across the world. You can go across the street. Things that you do in this area of go and make disciples do not need to happen within the confines of the walls of this church. I know people who are taking this, the Right Now Media Ministry resources and having eight to 12 minute video clips in, the, in their lunch hour and having a group talk about it afterwards and then they go back to work. These are people who have no church background and they're getting the word at lunch. There's not a ministry for the church that does that. That's somebody saying, I am wired to be productive and effective and I'm gonna add this to my plate. And so you shepherd people in the church and in the community in different ways. There's ladies here that have really modeled for us. Uh, homeschool moms that intentionally disciple. Ladies that meet in their tennis club and share the gospel. There's men that do things that are, that are, that are like grandmothers. You know, take children of, your, of their children and just say, I got them. And they're little bitty guys and they just love on them and they talk about Jesus and they say, that's my discipleship. Oh, well, praise the Lord. Thank God for praying grandmothers that love kids. So these things are, are happening. But also there's foster care parents that say, I'm going to take this person into my home for this season of their life because I don't know what God wants to do in me. I know what he wants to do with them. He wants to show them the love of Jesus through me. And in doing that, I'm going to see a new picture of who, the majesty and beauty of my Savior. But that's making disciples. It doesn't have happen in the walls of the church. We had a group of uh, graphic designers and marketers and uh, videographers and photographers get together and say, we're called creatives. I said, oh, that's, that's, I, I want to be a creative. What do I got to do? Well, you got to be creative. Oh, that's, that's where I fail. He said, well, what are we going to do to impact our, our art world? 
And I said, I don't know, what do we think? So we sat there and prayed and talked, and they got a new creative table ministry launching this fall to help engage the art community and the videography and marketing communities with the gospel. That's born out of the Spirit working in His Word in the body of Christ. There's ways to be, a, to be disciple makers and to make disciples. The 6G on there, you say, wait a minute, I thought this was 5G. Well, this is just, after you've done all that, you go to heaven, okay? That's the gone to heaven is the 6G. You get the first five right, man, the sixth one's going to be beautiful. Welcome into your rest. Well done, good and faithful service. Enter into your rest and get the rewards. That's the, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the, the, the disciple. When those people dropped their nets and started walking, they met their end, but they got a great welcome, and that is the purpose. Now, as we've been talking the last 20 minutes, I pray the Spirit's been talking to some of you. I want you to take out the personal inventory that you're going to hear a little bit of instructions about in just a minute, but what would it look like to move one step in your progress and joy this year? And I want you to capture that. Think through these questions. Think through this information and turn it into us because, and this is not about manipulation. I'm not checking a box here and you're going to be a good guy if you check a lot of boxes. It's not about work salvation. This is about, if I wanted to manipulate you, I would build a big bonfire, go back to my youth ministry days, build a big bonfire here, get a guitar going and have everybody crying in 30 minutes. And everybody, you know, getting saved. And it would be, we could manipulate you with stuff, but we're not. We're talking about what has God revealed to you? What does progress look like in your life? It's time to land this thing and the table's been set and make pre-decisions as Buster talked about. This is a, um, also, as you fill out this form in just a minute, there's a comment field in the back. Bring any idea to the table. What are you doing? that we need to know about, because our goal is how do, can we serve you and support you in your progress, this critical path and progress for your joy. So put that in comment field. You have options. You turn this in that when you leave, or you can t if you want to pray over it, I, I, would, I would prefer you, if it were me, I would do it now because I know what's happening with that piece of paper when I get home, I'm going to lose it. But I would love to have that back from you now, but you're welcome to take it home. If you're visiting here, take it to your church. Talk about that among the, your own church at home. But uh, also, you have to, we're going to send you a link to do it online. If you don't have a personal inventory or a pen, you'll have an opportunity to raise your hand in just a minute. But let me just say this. As you, as you enter into this time, it's a sacred time. This is not a, um, a pep rally. This is a sacred time. I believe God speaks through his word and through the images that Jesus has taught his disciples to follow him, and it's going to look radical, but there are some critical paths for your progress and joy. You have to be diligent, strive to make every effort. All these things Paul uses and Peter uses to say, okay, you got the knowledge. God says, I'm going to be working on your character. Now, I want you to let it flow out of you to impact others and do something in it called obedience.